Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I am your host, Katerina Burenova. Each week, we dive into a blend of topics that resonate with the soul. Whether you're an architect enthusiast, have a passion for wanderlust, want to discover holistic approaches to rejuvenate your body and mind, or are intrigued to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, you've come to the right place. Join me as I sit down with inspiring, like-minded women from various walks of life. We will delve into their journeys to discuss the challenges and moments that define their paths. So sit back, relax, and let the spark of positive energy ignite your curiosity. Welcome to the third episode of the Women in Architecture series. Today, I am joined by Eva Montarubio Langrova, design associate and future licensed architect. After graduating from UC Berkeley, Eva has been immersed in the field of architecture and is here today to talk about firm culture and how to navigate through your first years of working at an architecture firm. Eva, welcome to From the Honeycomb. Hi, Katarina. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to have you here today and being part of the Women in Architecture series, which is really, really exciting. I am super excited about it. Really, really thrilled because obviously architecture is not super female oriented, right? It's changing, which is a great thing. And I really do love to talk about architecture, live and brief architecture. So I'm excited to be here. That's why I'm having you on too, especially for this episode. And as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Of course, I'm grateful for this opportunity. This terrifies me, but that's mean it's um, pushing the boundaries, right? Which is important. Career in the prison life and everywhere. So I'm super grateful that I got the opportunity to be here, that I met you. And I am learning about how you are growing your business, how we went through your architectural journey. And I'm very, very inspired. So I'm grateful for our newly acquired friendship and for the opportunity to be here on this podcast. I know it is. Our friendship is definitely something I've been grateful for lately. Just so listeners know, Eva and I met back in April at a, I can't say, I don't say the name of the company that we went to go see, but we went to a manufacturing kind of company retreat and we ended up meeting each other there and we really connected right away because we're both from the Czech Republic. And that was kind of like the first yeah, thing. Yeah. And then since then, our like <laughs> friendship has like blossomed. I came to see Eva in San Francisco to go to the AIA conference. And now I think we talk to each other like four times a day on voice notes. <laughs> Maybe more. Okay. <laughs> like we are constantly, it's actually nice to see your face yes. honestly today because I feel like we've been leaving so many voice notes to each other. Especially about I know, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. about business and stuff and that's and working at a firm. And so I think that's again one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on for this episode. And so share with listeners before we get into firm life is your story with architecture and how you got into the field. Yeah, sure. So I would say my journey is uh, maybe not so traditional or okay that maybe it was a bad starting but I didn't know that I want to be architect I didn't know I want to be architect until really late I guess in my life in the journey so I grew up in the Czech Republic I lived there all my life my 
priority was to learn English and I have been struggling with the language. So what an idea. Let's move some to a country where we speak English. So I decided to go to United States, right, to California. It just happened through an agency, through an opera program. And that's what I thought, you know, I'm going to be abroad and I will be forced to learn the language because this is what I wanted to do. And I had no idea about that architecture even exists, even though I'm coming from very, very culturally, architecturally rich city, which is Brno in Czech Republic. So I came here, still have no clue that architecture, such an amazing profession exists. And I'm just going through my life over here. And then kind of hit me, great, I learned the language, but what I'm going to do next? I did graphic design, a trade school, right? It's called trade school. How do you define? It's kind of a high school, but maybe a little bit more on a college level over here because you kind of can end up with a diploma in certain fields. So I believe maybe trade school is appropriate. Yeah, trade school, maybe, maybe. associate program. Yeah, like an associate degree, something like that along probably is what it would yeah, translate yeah. to here. So in graphic design. So I have been always drawn into, I guess, in design, in love design and drawing and being creative. I have always been like active in that and helping everywhere in the school, my drawings everywhere or ceramics, right? So I always love doing and creating. So I didn't want to do graphic design all over again here, right? So I started my college journey over here, simple classes the general education, right? And then I end up in a career class because it was like easy credit. And it was a fun, it was a group of people who were just trying to figure it out what we're gonna do. We were taking a bunch of like fun tests and there was like that I'm supposed to be compatible with architecture and engineering and arts. Like, what is that? So I start exploring and as soon as I kind of learn what architecture is and how does it fit in terms of like the science and the art, because that's what I kind of miss in the graphic design. It was just drawing. There wasn't much technicality in it, right? So when I learned that architecture is a blend of both art and there's a lot of technical parts that needs to be, I was blown away and I started taking my class after class. I instantly fall in love in the first class, which was just a slideshow, kind of intro 101 with the professor just snipping pictures talking about the architecture in a very minimalist way and I knew that's what I want to do so I was I was maybe 25 years old when I learned that I want to do architecture so that's when my journey started and then from there you I know you took some classes and then you went to UC Berkeley that's right okay (laughs) I maybe got a little bit like at the beginning okay so yes I started the community college I finished my basically associate degree with the um, option basically to transfer. I still didn't know how the education in the States, basically, how does it work, right? I'm coming from Europe. I'm first generation over here. Of course, I met my husband over here. So that's why I live here. And that's why I'm doing my life over here, right? But that wasn't the plan. So this, I was trying to figure it out what I'm going to do here. So I started the community college classes, figured out architecture, and I transferred to UC Berkeley in 2017 graduated 2019 and I earned undergraduate degree mm-hmm. in architecture. Nice. Yeah. And so what was yes. it like after graduating? So to start talking about firm life is finding mm-hmm. a job and finding a job that you kind of fit into. And I know a lot of people coming out of yeah. school think, oh, the first job I get is going to be my dream job, but that might not happen. Oh, no. 
Yeah. Well, yes. For some people, maybe. I think so. It varies. It just varies. And it's personal experience, right? So I was pretty lucky. I was hired by my professor, actually. And I got to work basically immediately after I graduated. I had like a week, (laughs) a week to kind of like debrief after like two years of crunching, crunching, right? This architecture program on a pretty prestigious university here. So the pressure was really, really, really on for me to make sure that I do well. When I do something, I do 100%, right? So for me, it was very important to be basically... I always achieved to be basically the best, right? So I had the opportunity. My professor was actually, he has a, his own architecture practice, right? And I chose his studio, my last studio, particularly because I wanted to be taught by someone who actually practiced architecture in the real life, right? I didn't want just a theoretical thing. I wanted to understand and to be taught by someone who has a connection to the real world. Right. Right. And I know some professors, they were just faculty or they were more on the research side, but not really in the like architecture business. So for me, that was really important to kind of blend my professors and having exposure to all kinds of parts. Right. So I was hired a week after I graduated. I was exhausted, <laughs> but still on adrenaline. And I was very happily got my first job in uh, San Francisco. And so making that transition from school into a firm obviously is a different, is a huge jump. And sometimes I like that you said that you found a studio that really was taught by someone who is in the profession. I think that's definitely a difference with some professors who do the theoretical, but Mm -hmm. having someone who is in the field of architecture working, it does give you a different, I think he also would educate you differently because he knows what it's like when you graduate. And so when you graduated and you started at that firm, What was it like kind of finding your place? Because I think a lot of people in architecture school too, you know, they do very well. They're top of their class. And then when you leave the school and go into the field, you're kind of at the bottom again, right? So what was that transition for you? Yeah. So again, very different from everyone, especially I told you that I started my architecture journey when I was 25 Mm -hmm. years old, right? And when I started it, I went like, full on and I did not really have any internships before or any work experience in architecture so for me transitioning to a workplace was I would say hard because I had absolutely no clue what to expect I have heard a bunch of stories from my classmates that they were having internships etc for me it was a little bit more difficult I had a family and I had to be working and for me The internships did not make enough money back then to basically support whatever I needed to basically support, right? Myself and the family and everything that was going on around. So for me, that wasn't back then really option to be working as an architectural intern. So that was my first actually working experience in architecture firm. And oh man, that was definitely, I had no idea what to expect, but it was amazing. I have been really merged into it and was exposed to so many different parts from meeting, collaboration. How do you communicate with a consultant? There is such a thing like a consultant. Why do we meet a consultant? How do you collaborate with the team, right? How do the ideas get together? Who does what? Then the program, then the structure of the firm, then daily task to task, and then the real deadlines that come. So for all that, I have heard that just in theory, 
but I have never experienced it until basically my first job. I love that, but that was definitely a tough, right? But I am always take any challenges more like opportunities. I'm not taking them like negatively. I'm trying to look at it more like, a, oh yeah, this is something I can tackle, something I need to figure it out. This is this is what's going to set me for being um, better and successful, like really dive and jumping into the super unknown and just figuring it out and be there and try to make the best out of it. So that's my first architecture work experience. Yeah. I think you went in with go in with a good mindset because that's exactly with architecture is you're problem solving every day. And like you said, you were, you know, you had heard about coordinating with consultants and who do you mm-hmm. need to schedule with mm-hmm. and submitting to the city and dealing with the client. Those aren't things you learn in school. Those are things you learn when you work at the firm. And so while you were working at the firm, did you have someone like help you, like an oversight, like a senior yeah. senior person? Yeah, yeah. Of course, me starting, and they knew that's my first job, yeah. right? So they know what they are getting to, but they, they knew my dedication. Mm-hmm. They knew that I'm a fast learner and I do not give up. Mm-hmm. So this is something what really, I believe, set me apart from other candidates because I did not take it only as a job. I kind of took it more as my mission to really kind of immerse in myself and be like fully, fully involved in it. And I was really hungry for it. And I think so this is kind of like what attracted them about me. So absolutely, I have been overseas and I have been given starting with a small task, right? Just to getting like getting to know like the program and what do I need to do? And it has started from small assignments to bigger assignments and bigger and bigger, right? Until there was a kind of pretty good open communication. How do you feel? Can you handle that on? Can we put that on for you? Right. So that was very good in terms of I was able to communicate and navigate of what I can do, what I cannot do, and where do I need to get help. And this is also very important to communicate, right? And figure it out what is your level where you think you are learning when you have kind of plateau and you need a little bit more on your plate to keep learning so I think so that was I was in a really good spot over there and I was working with two different departments with the architecture and the interior architecture department so I had exposure involved in the little technical details right how things get together and also in a little bit more you can say like the pretty stuff like how does it look and how does it feel you know what's the vibe and was part of these presentations so I did really like the variety of it and I was getting more and more attractive to architecture right so being exposed these all the elements would go to it so I wasn't just the cat monkey even there was a big portion Mm -hmm. of me doing the drafting and picking up the red lines not even know why what okay let me just draw it in as it has been like red line for me but I had opportunities to be also part of few meetings and the design stuff and do some rendering so kind of a lot of stuff working in the interior department also in the architecture but I have always wanted to be more on the let's say architecture technical part than only on the interiors right no, and, and you made me think of a good point is you were working at a smaller firm, which I think allows you to be exposed to so many things. And I think that's one of the benefits of working at a smaller firm right when you get out. 
than going to one of the larger firms because you do get pigeonholed. And like you said, you're doing only the CAD, you're a CAD monkey. And so being able to go to a smaller firm and work there, then you're exposed to so much. And I think also your personality, like you said, it was your mission. And like, then your boss and the higher ups also notice that and can see that you really want it. And I think then you also, like you even said previously, like the opportunity, like you took that opportunity. And so any opportunities you can take when you're given a task at the firm, I think you can only expect to grow from it. No matter if it's like the smallest little thing of scheduling a meeting with a consultant, now you know who you have to schedule with and it's all these little things and so I think you you were exposed to so much at that firm. Yes, I was. I was really lucky from my, that was basically my first job, right? And I was really, really lucky where I landed in terms of the firm did amazing, absolutely amazing designs. And they have won a lot of awards. And I was able to see all that, all the backgrounds, what, what is happening, how those things basically became right and all the struggles to make it so it was super real and definitely inspiring and as you mentioned that's a big difference starting in a large firm that everyone is very categorized to do one thing versus starting in a little bit smaller firm even though the firm and I work they had two locations one in San Francisco one in New York but they kind of work a little bit separately so that there was an issue, but definitely I think so. Our studio had, ooh, maybe 10 to 15 people, something like this. That's a good starting yeah. point. I would need to count. I, I may have a little exaggerated here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, maybe like 10, 10-ish. 10-ish is better. No, that's yeah. still, that's a good handful of, full of people. I've never worked at a firm that big. I think the biggest I worked at was the one I recently worked at, and there were four of us, five of us. So, oh, wow. Yeah, four yeah. of us. Yeah, so... So that's definitely different. And then this job obviously was a great foundation for your current job. Yes, 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 yes. Where you have really take on, taken on like project managing roles. And, and I know obviously, I, you know, I know this just because we're friends now. And, and so hearing how much of a seniority you now have. And it is like now that I hear, because I didn't know so much about like your first job, but and your motivation, it seems like when you are working now at this at your current job, you really do still have that same mindset that from the beginning, like you want to know, you want to learn, you're taking any opportunities and you're learning. And there's just so much that goes into architecture. But do you think that first job really set the foundation for this next job? Anything, I believe, set the foundation somehow. <laughs> Right, you you are growing, and just maybe it's just a small or bigger. It really depends. So because of COVID, mm-hmm. did not really stay in my first job for for real long time. There has been a lot of layoffs, but again, finding a silver lining in it because I found uh, my current job, mm-hmm. which is a completely different. And I think so. I even enjoy. Don't want to say I enjoy more, but I believe I had the opportunity to grow professionally more in my current job, which I might would not grow as fast in my uh, past job. So I have definitely grew my tasks and responsibilities very exponentially to my, I would say, years of experience in architecture. So it's definitely going pretty up high in terms of the opportunities and the responsibilities that come with it, right? Mm -hmm. And definitely I'm taking the role right now from the 
doing the SD to DD through CDs to construction administration, which is a definitely a blast. I did not have a chance to see through or see the project through basically in my classroom. So this is something, a big, huge improvement. And I think so it's very, very important to really understand all parts of the project, not to be stuck only in one but having a general idea what is going on in each phase, how do the phases bleed into each other, right? And what are the flexibility of modification, like financial and constructability in each phase, right? Because as the project develop, we our designs develop with the project, right? So we cannot always change it. There are constraints. So I have been definitely right now exposed to all these parts which I believe they are making me better future architect. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I'm not licensed architect yet. I'm in the middle of examination. So I think so. it's very important to understand all the parts. I know in some jobs, people get stuck and do only one part. Mm-hmm. They are on DDs, DD, you know, some kind of doing some drafting or just keep doing the red lines. And I would, I guess, recommend people to, try to move on to get the exposure to all parts because it kind of informs you what you want to do, what you really enjoy doing, and maybe where you lack some either education or some knowledge so you can really pick that up versus being stuck Mm -hmm. in a pigeonhole and do the same thing all over. That means it's really, really important to get the exposure in one way or another. So actually, my first project was directly in the CA when I started wow. in my, so I had absolutely nothing know about the project, but I was there showing up in the construction site, every site visit, talking with the contractor, did not really understand what he wants from me, but I took my note, I bring it to the office, I have discussed, and we have finger solution, and I reported back. So it's um, just being there and really trying and learning architecture is not a really straight line it's uh, very much wobbly and you know up and up a road that gets you you know to very mysterious places or knowledge when you didn't know you're supposed to know it and how that even works right so yeah that's my first job in this firm. No, it's construction administration. And you bring up a really good point about staying through a project through all of the different phases. And I think that's so important, especially for younger generations coming into the workforce now, where it seems like people stay at a job for a shorter amount of time. And I think being able to, in a firm, know, like I have gone through when the client signed the contract, to when they moved in and going through all the different stages of that is such valuable information, not only so that you learn how the process goes, it also helps, I think, you prepare you for the examinations, the AREs a little bit, but it's there's so much that you then get to understand and then you learn, okay, well, on the last project during construction documents, you know, CD, we did this, I need to remember to do that next project when we're in like schematic design so that this issue doesn't happen. And I think you really get to start to learn. So I think it is, like you said, so valuable to really go through the whole phase of the project. And it was for me, probably at my last job that I really went through the start to end with a project because back in Chicago, we went through a few little projects, but nothing so like substantially big where I learned so much. So I think that's a very great point is making sure and seeing if you can get on a project, even if maybe you can't 
be a you know project manager at the beginning stages, but get involved and ask to be a part of the different stages. Yeah, I think so. It is very important. You also need to advocate for yourself. So if there are no opportunities and you voice that you are interested in learning and being exposed, and if you do not get, if person doesn't get and not being heard, basically, I don't think so that maybe it's the right place to, you know, grow professionally. So this is something to evaluate and perhaps to move on to a different job. But we need to be advocating for ourselves. So if we don't stand up and we don't say, hey, I'm ready for the next thing, then things won't really happen. So it's very important to go out there as much as like scary and uncomfortable. It can be like, hey, I'm, you know what? We are never actually ready for the next task or for the next thing because we are learning on the go. But it's really important to just like, you know, welcome it with open arms and dive into it and figure it out on the go. There's a team that will support you. You can be asking questions. So if you are in this environment, you really land a great job, which that's where I am right now. So the learning is really great. It is. It is. And it is like, yeah, it is so valuable, especially like you said, to have someone also give you those responsibilities and be able to trust you and to help you out. So going back to like the history of an architecture, you know, you would be an apprentice and you would work your way up and work your way up and architecture school, I don't know exactly when that all came about and the exams, but it was an apprenticeship. And so it is very important for firm owners, firm principals, you know, senior architects to remember the value of teaching those who are just coming into the field because we only learn so much in school. I mean, we learn like a little percentage and then we're put into the field. And depending if we do residential or commercial or, you know, industrial or science, you know, whatever we're doing architecturally is we are learning so much and we learn so much more on the job than we do, I think, in school. Absolutely. School is... uh... Those are concepts and sometimes unrealistic concepts, more artistically oriented. But in the real world, those things need to get built and they need to be structurally sound. They need to be appropriately waterproof. And those are basically implication of the design. Those things, the important constructability and how things get together and what needs to happen, they inform the design. So it's not just you can design whatever you can. But you need to be very smart to figure it out how that's going to get built and make sure that it's like safe and properly detailed, right? Which you don't get learning to school. Sorry. (laughs) No, you don't learn that in school. And so if there's someone listening right now who's kind of, you know, about to go into the field of architecture and is scared and intimidated, what would your advice be to them kind of in those first few weeks at a firm? First few weeks. I think so the first few months, two to three months, just soaking it in, just observe it and ask lots of questions. It's okay. Those questions should be very encouraged and they should be answered. And the managers or whoever oversees you should take the time to properly talk to you and explain you what's going on, what is expected from you and how the learning curve um, basically happens, right? Mm-hmm. It can be really overwhelming at the beginning and everyone started from zero, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Everyone started from zero. No one was born with all the information. So finding really someone who understands that and remembers the beginning 
it's really the best person to kind of have because they really give you kind of the in and outs. But it's important to also kind of leave a little space for, you know, unknown because it's important for the person to figure it out on their own, right? So there's kind of delicate balance. But for advice, just let that flow a little bit. It's okay not to know it all. It's okay not to be really super super high performing doing everything on the top no because it is impossible really it is impossible and we do tend to a lot of people try to myself included put myself a lot of pressure to be there all the time on the time everything ready everything prepared everything uh, you know double check i need to be 10 steps ahead it's um people tend to more burn out that way. So taking it easy, take it slow. This is a big transition, especially coming from school to architecture world. That is a, it's a whole beast. This is a beast. That entire profession is a beast. And it's a very beautiful beast, by the way. It's definitely a bumpy road. So, you know, buckle up and follow through. Mm-hmm. And I think so maybe by the, you take the like a month to, kind of adjust then I think so people will have a little better understanding what what's going on what is my role here what is my task where do I feel I can right now contribute or what is my niche or what is interested what interested right in because sometimes I actually started when I was going into architecture I thought that I won't be okay right now I'm doing high-end residential design or custom homes that's what my firm does and Actually, this is not what I imagined myself to be as an architect. Really? I wanted to... Do, yeah. I never told you. I don't think so. Oh, interesting. I did not imagine that I would be doing single family homes. Considering the crisis, I went to UC Berkeley. It's very much research school. And we are talking about... We have been learning all about the issues, the environment, and all crises. Like, all crises. So... I was more like, hey, let's save the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't see myself saving the world with a custom high <laughs> and residential design, right? But yet, somehow I landed over here. I thought it's just going to be very, you know, temporary type of thing. But absolutely fell in love with this because the intimacy and the relationships we get with the clients. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful thing to work with someone so closely and really get to know them and design for them and bring them on on the design journey and it's amazing really see the client's excitement so kind of navigate them through the process and understanding what what their needs are right Mm -hmm. and how it's all gonna fit to their budget their needs and wants so i think i'm in a little bit of the tangent (laughs) over here Um, no not at all but yeah so oh I know why I started talking about it because you never know where you want to land, mm-hmm. right? So in the first few months, you can figure it out. Oh, wow, this is not really for me, right? And maybe you will move on or you will figure it out. Wow, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I'm all in. So instead of putting pressure of what other people expect from you, I would focus really on ourselves what we want to do and how we feel about it and if we are happy and make sure that we are not burning out because this is beautiful profession and we all want to be happy and do great projects and serve the client if it's like a you know single client or if that's a big client we want to 
be the best mm-hmm. for everyone. And you cannot be the best if you are not happy at your current job. So I would really try to advise someone, give them the advice to focus on themselves to make sure that they land in the right place and really forget about the technical stuff because you learn that. Mm-hmm. And this is a long learn, a long life learning journey versus trying to, you know, impress someone for not really being yourself. So just immerse of learning and observing. Mm. I hope that answered your question, Katrina. <laughs> it did. I have two things to say. First off, I loved your advice because I actually took it for myself. I feel like even though I didn't transition out of school just now, I transitioned from full-time job to having my own. And you really hit a few points that I've been kind of forgetting is like, you don't have to know everything and nothing has to be everything perfect. And I feel like those are the voice notes I've been leaving you too about like detailing. And I've been so nervous about detailing and all these little things. And it's like, it's okay. This You're just going to learn on this project. You're going to learn. And so that's super huge. So that was a really, really great reminder. I really resonated with your message. So thank you. That was, I know. Thank you. (laughs) And then then second thing is you hit the nail on the head with the residential work and being so intimate with a client. And I think that's what drew Mm -hmm. me to residential work is, yes, you know, yeah, graduating from school, my last year or two, we were really focusing on like designing cities. And I'm like, I don't want to design a city. I just want to design a house. And it's so different. And so we kind of had a little similar of that leaving school. We're like, we're going to, you know, I knew I was never going to save the world with architecture personally, Mm -hmm. because there was an internship during school. I know. (laughs) I had an internship during school. I know. I know. Well, I'm going to save, I'm going to make a home (laughs) for someone. That was my thought is I had an internship in school that was here actually in Newport Beach in Southern California in Orange County. And it was high-end residential. And that was the first time I'd really been exposed to high-end residential. And I liked it. It's fun. I have expensive taste, I think. And I love designing. And some clients, when you get, and especially when you get a great client who's also very appreciative and everything, it just amplifies that good feeling of, you know, I may not be saving the Mm -hmm. world, but I'm making this, you know, beautiful home for this person, for this family. And I think that makes me feel fulfilled at the end of the day. You know, maybe I didn't save the world, but like I made that home. I designed that, that home. That was a stretch. <laughs> that was a, that was, we all know it was, <laughs> that was a fig- figurative speech. No, but still like, or whatever. there's still people. I remember there was a classmate and he was a little older. I think he was a master's program at my school and we were talking and he's like, yeah, I'm, I said, oh, what do you do? Like, and, you know, he's like, oh, I've been working for this guy and I'm designing his own private museum for him. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I'm like, it sounds like a great job. And he's like, yeah, but is it giving back to the community? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, no, it's his own personal museum, but what a great opportunity. Like, I mean, you get to design a, you know, and he didn't see it that way. He saw it as, well, this isn't me giving back to the community. And so that's a different thing. I mean, that's a whole, tan- yeah, I think we are going on a, on a tangent now. Yeah. But still it is. No, I mean, I do love that topic. And very briefly, just even though those are custom homes, mm-hmm. We want to make sure that they fit the context, of course. right? As a good architect, you just don't design whatever you feel like designing because the client comes to you and I want a super modern in this like a specific neighborhood. So you things got for certain regulations, mm-hmm. but I think so. This is kind of part what I have learned that even though it's not per se saving the world, but you are serving the community. You are making stuff where people feel 
comfortable when it's not this uh, basically the architecture fits the context right and i think so it's part for, it's not even for only for the individual but also for the community that lives there right mm-hmm. so we can leave that that's that. i think that's a good yeah that's a good way to tie that up with the book Leaving the listeners with a message for if they're thinking about working at an architecture firm and a residential firm, now that we kind of got onto the topic of residential firm, is there, you know, any advice you would leave for someone who is thinking about going into residential architecture and maybe like what they can expect? Hmm. That's definitely a good question. I got into residential firm by I know it is a destiny or something. I meant to be there. I did not really plan for it. I know you really wanted to mm-hmm. do that, right? But I think so. I would advise people who are interested to be open-minded in terms of design. I thought that I am a little bit more on the, that my prefer- design preferences will be a little bit on the modern side, a very clean, neat details. But I have learned through the residential practice and working with my boss, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I have learned detailing in a whole other level that not everything needs to be modern. And I start appreciating things on a completely different level than I told my design style is, right? Mm-hmm. But I have learned that my design style isn't only like what I like at the moment but it's more like working with the context and working with the client so maybe we have also we have modern homes we also have a little bit more traditional homes that we are trying to blend Mm -hmm. a little modernism to it i have never imagined that i would be excited to be working on a little bit more traditional architecture with a little bit more details to it than like a modern flat ceiling and stuff like this so definitely i would say keep open mind to whatever the project comes in and let it develop your basically design repertoire mm-hmm. because it can go really many ways. So literally keeping it open and be able to soak it all in, not to really go and focus on one thing. I want to be this way. I want to be doing this way. I don't like this design. I don't enjoy the work. Just more of a, if you don't like, don't like something, find something what you like about that mm-hmm. and learn about it. I like that. I think this is a great, great advice for anyone listening. And Eva, thank you so much for taking the time to come on from the Honeycomb podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And you're really, really welcome. (laughs) I think you gave really good advice and really shared what it's like working in the context of a firm. And I think your experience has really made you grow so much and, you know, excel at the profession. And I know you're going to excel at the exams and you're going to be that licensed architect soon. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am. I am. I can see that already. Good. Good. And where can listeners find you? They can find me at Instagram. It's Eva Monte. I believe you will type it down there into the notes, right? Mm-hmm. So they can know how to spell it. Yes. And I can be also reached via email. If you want to feel free to add there, you know, my email address, I'm, I have gotten so much help through different connections and it's very important to connect and find mentors 
to just brainstorm or bounce idea or anything. So I'm very happy and willing to answer any question if anyone has and, you know, follow up on this one. So feel free to just, you know, share the info. And I am very happy to pay back all the help what I got from others. So that's a great way to end it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. for oh, yeah, really That was, that's perfect. And I'm, thank you for, you know, the help. And it's one more thing, just you brought such a great point up is the giving back. You've gotten so much help and yeah. I think offering it, I think that's so, so valuable. Yes. Yes. Very easy to reach. So good. All right. Great. <laughs> thank you so much. I really enjoyed it and I really love it. So okay. thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. As we conclude, I want to express my gratitude for joining me in today's episode. I hope you have found it insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and click that like button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to share this with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. And you can also further your support of From the Honeycomb by visiting the patron link provided in the show notes. Your contribution helps make more episodes possible. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, A Spark of Positive Energy, that comes out on the 7th of each month. Thank you so much and see you next Friday. Thank you.